Welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. Uh, we're coming to you as a duo tonight after the Baron game. We've had another reinforced victim. Um, so we're down to two, but I'm sure we'll manage. Um, so Chief in Berlin. Chief, how you doing? Yeah, all good. All good. In buoyant mood, I think. Just kind of finally getting uh, over the remnants of this hangover after last night. Um, so we're recording this on the Thursday after the Bayern, uh, Bayern Munich versus Liverpool on the on the Wednesday. But yeah, great night and looking forward to get into this and get chatting about the about the match. Good. So we'll just we'll just do that then. Um, so three one. Probably Chief expected expected Baron to be like much better and not even much better, but much more much more adventurous and and have a bit more impetus. But it it was pretty much a, a mirror image of the the first leg, and that was something that I didn't really expect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was sort of caught. In, well, I was a little bit in two minds, really. The whole in the whole enduring period, kind of wondering which way Kovac would go because. Part of me, obviously, I think what most people thought, and probably what you're alluding to there, is that we would have thought that um, Bayern Munich at home, Allianz Arena, home fans expectant, they're not really, they're not going to be able to sit back in the same way that they um, sat back at Anfield. Um, but part of me thought, you know, the other part of me thought, well, you know, is Kovac, is he actually going to break type or? What's more likely? Does a leopard change his boss? That kind of thing. So I, I had a, a little feeling that it wouldn't be such such an open game, or they they wouldn't be playing <clears throat> such attacking football as maybe a few few might have expected. But they really didn't offer anything. I mean, I think they tried to sort of come out of the traps a little bit first ten fifteen. Although, and they, they have you know relative success, I suppose, in the sense that Liverpool don't start brilliantly and everything gets a bit disjointed, especially with the Henderson injury. And that kind of drags on for a few minutes. Is he coming off? Is he staying on? Are we getting, you know, is Fabinho warmed up? All, all that kind of thing. So it's a bit stunted, a bit stunted. And then, you know, then we score. And for 15, 20 minutes after we score, we're by far the better team in the game. Uh, then they, you know, get there. We, well, they get their goal. They get their equaliser. Um, it sort of comes out absolutely nothing, really. Yeah, it is. It's a yeah, it's a goal yeah. or nothing, isn't it? Yeah, and and in the end, you know, that's what that goal will be remembered as in the context of this game. It's just a uh, oh, that happened. Oh well, doesn't really matter. Kind of, you know, it's just a bit out of context in the, in the whole thing, really. So Robertson perhaps switches off a bit. There's a bit of argy bargy with. James on Firmino, uh, no, Fabinho, sorry. So there's, a, you know, we're maybe a little bit uh, not focused for a split second. They get in behind. You know, Matty is unfortunate, but Lewandowski's going to put it in anyway. And they have a little flurry then, just before half time, uh, where we're just kind of, I mean, we're not hanging on by any stretch of the imagination, but we're kind of a bit deflated, I think, at that point. I think we know, you know, We've, we've been the better team. We're a bit annoyed to be sort of caught out with that sucker punch a little bit. Um, but then, you know, second half, my take on it is that we were we were never in trouble. You know, I was sitting there and <clears throat> you mentioned about um, about we thought we might see more attacking football from Bayern, or um, and and a tiny tiny part of me 
you know, that irrational fear part when you, as a fan, thought, fuck, you know, I just hope we don't don't see anything. I hope Bayern don't do anything like Juventus did in the previous night against Atletico, because of course they, they really showed up and they, they played at real intensity and Atletico, I think 19 games in Europe or something without without um, losing a tie when they've been ahead in the, fir- in the first leg. Um, but obviously came unstuck and tiny 0.1% was a little worried shit, I hope Bayern don't really turn up tonight. But there was no there was no real danger of that. You could tell after five, ten minutes that, that, that Bayern hadn't turned up. They were playing with fear. They were playing, treating us with a lot of respect. And I we controlled that game, you know, particularly second half. But I think from the moment, moment Mane scores, we're in control. Uh, we let it slip. But as I said, a, a brief moment. Uh, lack of concentration, maybe, or just switching off for a second, and then actually we we take the initiative. Then second half, and from the moment Van Dijk scores, the Bayern are not coming back, and we saw nothing from them. So, as you said, I think before what two shots on target, maybe in the whole hundred eight minutes. Yeah, two shots on target over or both legs, which is it's it's fairly um it's 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 fairly woeful from them. To be honest, and yeah, it's and and I thought you know I think we can't we can't use that as an excuse to play the result down because yes, I think Baron had a mentality issue. I think it showed the way they celebrated a nil nil in in the first leg at Anfield, and that's not that's not a Bayern Munich mentality. It's not, you know, they're 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 one of the they're one of the biggest teams in Europe, and they've been semi-finals the last six years, um, and they they played that second game like we were better than them, and like they thought that we were better than them, and do you know what? We are better than them, but it's not normally a team like Bayern Munich would go out believing that or thinking that, even if that was the fact. That's why these teams are these teams a lot of the time. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the belief in their own, their own abilities and their own hype and their own everything. And I think I think you've kind of hit a, hit hit a point there, hit a nail on the head in in, in the sense of the the mentality surrounding the Bayern team. Uh, I think they've sort of got their mojo back a little bit in the league, as we were discussing um, before we started recording, but. Um, but in Europe, they, as you said, they, they approached that game last night with fear. They approached a tie with fear, as you said. The yeah. For me, where they lost it was the first leg because 10 minutes to go, nil-nil. Why are they not trying to score? Why are they not trying to get to nick a 1-0, one, one get that away go? You, you know, it's good to have something in the bank because I don't know what they, you know, I don't think any of the players believed, really believed, in the tactics that they employed last night. Um, I think Lewandowski is on record. He slammed Kovacs pretty much uh, for his defensive tactics. And I think it's... Uh, yeah, I don't think Kovacs is quite attuned to the mentality of, of Bayern Munich. Uh, and I don't think he's going to be there next season, as we, we also mentioned. I think the pendulum will have swung last night very much in uh, into the uh, you're fired camp. Uh, yeah, it's strange. He, he very much approached that tie like he was still managing nine-track Frankfurt. Absolutely. 
And Bayern Munich don't want to be going in. The Bayern Munich players don't want to be going in to a, sec, a knockout Champions League tie in the second round, last 16, with their manager saying, listen, these are really, really dangerous. Just show them a lot of respect and, you know, don't, don't play your normal game and make sure you're working back like this and we've got a plan for them. And these guys are thinking, we're, we're Bayern Munich. I'm Robert Lewandowski. I want to score goals. You know, I'm Frank Ribery. I've got the number seven ridiculously shaved into the side of my head. <laughs> I know. The guy's fucking 35. I know. I didn't get this number seven shaved in my head so I could tuck, track back and tuck in, mate. You know what I um, anyway, I think I think you're you're right. All joking aside, that the, the Kovac hasn't approached this tie with the right mentality at all, and it's shone through. Uh, and I think not even with hindsight, I think it was said at the time that Bayern missed an opportunity, at least to 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 really put some pressure on Liverpool for the second leg. Go at on. least to at least to try to do it. Whether they, whether they succeed or not is another question, but at Absolutely. least to try and do it and just show that ambition. Yeah. You know, the number one thing every team wants in in European knockout ties is an away goal. And, you know, that was obviously their opportunity because, because it was the away tie, but also because, you know, we had a, an absolutely makeshift um, centre-back pair in there. Centre-back pair has probably played there, what, once before, maybe, um, together. So, you know, that was that was their moment. Uh, and you, you saw from the ties, really, um, this week, just, just the potency of away goals. And I always thought we were strong favourites to qualify just by, by virtue of the fact that we were nil-nil, nil-nil in the first leg and going away second leg. You you have an advantage there, I don't care what anyone says. The whole psychology of we need one, you need two is brilliant. You know? Right, so what I'm, what I'm going to do, is I'm going to just, I, I, I absolutely thought the same thing, and I was always of the mindset that um, nil-nil at home in the first leg is a great result. Yeah. I was always of that mindset. But apparently, and we've talked loads about how shit Barn were and how they didn't really approach the game well, um, but apparently... Only a third of teams statistically qualify after a nil-nil at home in the first leg. Well, that's fair enough. Like, I mean, I suppose it's one of those um, <clears throat> ideas where, or situations where the figures kind of make a bit of a mockery of, of what your intuition is. But, I mean, if you think about it, it's, it still should be an advantage. because the It other, should. It should. But it, it should, Chief. Even if you're nil-nil after 180 minutes... You've got another half an hour to score in a white goal. No, I totally agree. I think so, I think me, there, there's the other thing though, Chief, as well that, and we used to we used to say this all the time when Rafa was in charge. Nil nil, we'll just get we'll take them back to Anfield. Nil nil, oh, we'll I, take them back to Anfield. Absolutely. So I can understand how I can understand t- you know taking that perspective how that statistic would stack up. However, I think. We need to apply context to this, and we, we, you know, you need to look into which team played which, and blah blah blah, and whatever. But the fact of the matter is, with this Liverpool team and the ability this Liverpool team has to score goals, not only through the front three, but also now from this, you know, terrific set piece record that we've got, and again, more evidence to it there um, on Wednesday night. So 
nil nil at home for this Liverpool team is a completely different proposition than just any normal team because this team goes away and score goals. That's like nil nil. That's like nil nil at home against City, nearly. City yeah. gonna go. City's gonna take you home. And they're gonna go. We 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 know. Or, or sorry, nil nil at the Etihad against City. That City are gonna go their home. We know we're gonna score away goals. You have to. You have to beat us. You have to come here and beat us. You have to come here and outscore us. And at that, there's very few teams outscore Liverpool, and have done over the last two years. Uh, that was where Kovac really failed, because at no point. In the tie, did he have a plan of how to win the tie? And no point you're absolutely right. Did he have a plan of how to score a goal and take the initiative? His entire approach was about containment. At Anfield, and again, pretty much last night, there was no, okay, right, so we've kept them out. Okay, we've stopped them from playing a bit, at least we've hung on. Um, right, how do we move to the next level? And there was no hint of that at any stage. Um, and I think you're absolutely right in the sense that we're better than, better equipped than most teams to um, to progress after a nil-nil at home in the first leg. But I think also, I mean, statistically, isn't it, that usually the, the, the top, the, the higher-seeded uh, team plays away, plays, yeah, plays at, at home in, this, in the second leg. So you're probably going to have in those statistics that you, the better teams are, are usually playing at, at home in the second leg. That's but, a fair point as well, yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we we do score goals away from home, and uh, they were going to have to beat us, and that's the the thing that uh, Kovacs had no no inkling of how to do, and ultimately that's why Bayern lost the game. Um, the only one team in the tie was really had had a plan to win the game, had a plan to win the tie. Yeah, and and. Do you know what? See, I, do, I think we talked. I think we might have talked about this before the first leg. Um, but that's that's Jurgen Klopp versus Nico Kovac, and that's mm. that's an inexperienced manager who's been at a, a relatively mediocre club and has had to has had to play and has only ever had to play a particular way to get results, and it's been successful for him at that level in relative terms, and yeah. and. I, you know, I, I'm not placed and don't have the knowledge to suggest that he, he doesn't know how to do that or he hasn't yet worked out how to adapt to a club of the size of Bayern Munich. Time will only tell throughout his career. Well, it would be, I suppose, a little bit like, I mean, it would be a little bit like Roberto Martinez getting the City job or, or the United job. I suppose if you wanted to, to put it like that, because he's um, he's young, obviously he's had success. He's mostly been with with underdog clubs. He's won a trophy in the in the in, in the German Cup last season, like Martinez did. Didn't he win the League Cup or the FA Cup with Wigan? Won the FA Cup with Wigan. He did. He did. Uh huh. So it, it's that it's that kind of a manager, someone who's shown promise and 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 done good things. But it's maybe a bit of a, a bit of a bit of a leap to put it put him straight into a job like Bayern Munich, and <clears throat> because you know a bit like almost a bit like Rogers got our job, you know, got the job for us. It's a bit of bit of a learning curve, although probably probably Kovac is more advanced along his managerial career than than Rogers was. But would you not say would you not say that Kovac is more conservative? Oh, it's conservative, absolutely. I mean, he's, 
but I suppose the word is pragmatic, but in, in yeah. the true sense of pragmatism, as opposed to the Mourinho Park fucking 10 guys. But it's all about, yeah, it, 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 you don't take too many risks. You play in, in a particular way, you play compact, and it's m- more suited to, yeah, to, to an underdog. Yeah, it's a bit more heavy, Gracia, would yeah. you say? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not really, you know, it's not Bayern Munich. You know? No, it's not. It's certainly, not. certainly not the Bayern Munich that has been there post-Pep. I mean, this is all, all of this is, is essentially, you know, post the post-Guardiola era at, at Bayern Munich. Um, Ancelotti came in, didn't really work out for him. They went back to... Back to your man, Hank, is just as a stopgap. Now they've gone for Kovac. He's the, the new thing, you know, the new, they've gone for the new young rising star in, in the Bundesliga in terms of manager. It's a bit of a gamble. It doesn't look like it's paying off. Um, no, and I think they've been transitioning the manager a lot over the last couple of years. And really, what they probably should have been doing is transitioning the team over that time. Absolutely, because they've gotten steel and there's no now link. There's no, there are old players and there are young players. And somehow, yeah, there's been no real proper success in planning because of the because of the stature of the players that were there, the Mooners and, and the Lambs and the Boatangs. It reminds me a little bit of Arsenal. You know? Yeah, it's it's not a bad comparison. Even, you, you, you'd maybe even say you'd maybe even say Chelsea with the with the Lampards and the Terries and and the yeah. Drogbas and did they ever really? Success and plan players to come and replace them? Probably not. Not properly, anyway. Well, that's it. And the same with Arsenal in the sense that, you know, that such established players and they start to drift away or retire or move on to wherever. And you've had these young players there for ages, almost, but they haven't really been getting a look in. And all of a sudden, they're not that young anymore. And because they haven't played that much. They're not as good as they potentially could have been. Yeah, and you talk about experience, and you may be bringing oh, somebody in, a, a 23-year-old, um, and just think about, we'll bring him in, he's 23 now. But actually, in football in terms, he's probably only about 19, because he doesn't have the games under his belt. Not like Timo Werner, for example, who we'll probably talk about a little bit later on, but you know, he's 22, and you think, oh, that's quite young, but he's what? You know, 150-odd you know, first team appearances under his belt between, you know, club and international. Yeah, well, that's it. That's it. I mean, and I think often, as often happens when a club enjoys great, great success, um, <clears throat> over a prolonged period of time, it can take its eye off the ball in terms of succession. We know that. We did that. Man United are in the process of, of finding that out at the moment. Bayern Munich haven't gone that far yet. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a bit of a rocket one for Kovacs. But yeah, I mean, I think they approached the game in a, in a strange way. I think they got what they deserved, really. I think Liverpool were excellent. Uh, I can't, I'm not in any way um, reducing or attempting to reduce the quality of the performance uh, from the, you know, from Liverpool. Uh, it was excellent. It was it was brilliant that we could go there and and pretty much control large parts of the game. It was great that Bayern obviously and noticeably gave up when Van Dijk's header hit the back of the net, and that's twenty minutes to go. And they, they, there's no effort. There's there's no 
even spark of a resurgence at all. You know, we we're not having to defend more deeply or or more frantically than at any point in the tie. So they just they have no more gears. We've absolutely ruined them by that point, and they know when that goal goes in that they're not getting back in the game. That's fabulous, and it's just perhaps a little tonic for us. Um, I don't, uh, you know, you, you get caught up and you get in your own head about these things as fans, and I'm sure players get get in their own heads as well, you know, with the pressure of the, the Premier League title race and so on. And this will just be a nice little reminder for the lads that, um, yeah, they're fucking brilliant, and they can go to Bayern Munich and just knock them out the first time. Bayern Munich haven't been in a semi-final in seven years or something, you know. Uh, yeah, and do you know what, Chief? That it, on the on the point of Bayern, there was an old saying um, from Shankly was, "Let their legs go at someone else's club." And yeah. Bayern probably haven't done that, but that takes us back to that takes us back to the Reds. And you're right, you're absolutely right in saying like a really really excellent performance. And we've talked Baron down a lot, but at the same time, you know, they're missing Kimmich as well, which I think is significant, um, more so in an attacking sense and, and this ability to control the game from right back, which makes him just a phenomenal footballer. But anyhow, um, this team's made the semi-finals in the last six, in the last six years. Isn't that right? Yeah. Um, they know their way around this tournament. There's no doubt about that. And you know, you just need to look at the names in the team. See, you know, look at the name. You look at the team on paper. You know, Neuer, Hummels, Sule, Alaba, Rafinha, Javi Martinez, Thiago. You've got James Rodriguez. You know, on loan from Real Madrid to Bayern Munich. Like, what? Who the? How the fuck does that happen? You've Ribery being thirty-five, but again, the guys, the guys been around. He's 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 won everything. Lewandowski's been one of the best centre-forwards in the world for the last 10 years. So, this isn't a team of fucking chumps. Like, this is a this is a quality football team with bags of experience, both at domestic level, high-end club level, European level and international level. And we went there, and I think, you know, their approach, not only the manager's approach, but certainly the the players' mentality towards it was that they recognised that this team is is one of one of Europe's elite football teams now. What, um, Liverpool, you mean? <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Sorry, adapted perhaps, but yeah, no, um, absolutely, I mean, they, they, the, the, the respect was, was massively noticeable from the first leg. Talk about how they set up and how they played and, and what Kovac's celebrations at the 0-0, you know. It was like, it was like playing Everton nearly, celebrating oh. the 0-0 draw. They, they were really set. He, that's what he wanted. That's what I'm saying. He, he had at no point had a plan to win either game, really. It seems just, just staying in touch was enough. And, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Them not having Kimmich would have affected them certainly a little bit. Um, I'm saying had... that I thought Rafinha was maybe one of their better players in the night. I mean, there's no doubt that. I mean, I literally said to my mate in the pub when I saw the the Bayern lineup, we were both talking. We said that's a fucking good eleven. 
you know, won the 11, that's a good, I was happy coming, wasn't fit to start, so he was on the bench, so that was a wee boost, but... Well, poor Coleman's never fit, God help him. Yeah, you look at that But then there's, there's, like, Leon Goretzka. I think Leon Goretzka is an unbelievable player. Fuck me, how how he would just slot in the R team, seamlessly, nearly. And they're bringing him off the bench. That's another symptom of, of the caginess with which Kovac approached both legs. Goretzka being out and, and um, the two holders being in there, Thiago and, and Martinez, that's, you know, that's, you're playing, you're, you're taking the more defensive option, you know. Although, I mean, I think, what do you think on this one? I, I think in, in a way we were, Klopp was kind of handed a, a gift a little bit. In, well, not a gift. I don't mean that. Henderson's injury was, was something good that happened. Obviously not. I don't even mean that Henderson going off was something good that happened. But I do think the game was was cool for the hero last night. And he did very well when he came on. It would be interesting to see what, what would have transpired with the original midfield, what might have transpired, how the game would have been, may have been any different. Uh, we'll never know, of course. But it was a bit of a, a bit of a... Curveball, a bit of a revert to the type from Jurgen going with that midfield, which hasn't worked away from home in the Champions League this year. Uh, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that, dude, but we were obviously talking about it before the game because I think everybody would have mentioned it. I wasn't negative, I was just kind of like, oh, I'm not sure, we'll see. Let's, you know, let's just fucking hope. Uh, and then, of course, Hendo, as if almost an act of God, kind of gets innocuously injured after four minutes and has to go off. Fabinho has to come on. Uh, obviously, Fabinho does well. I mean, I've heard people say that, um, yeah, and it's fair. He was shaky in, in the first few minutes when he came on, but I think he, he grew into the game pretty quickly. And after a while, he, he began to began to control the midfield like he does. Um, so, yeah, interesting. What do you reckon on that? Um, Fabinho... I don't think the first 15-20 minutes is... In fact, I think the, the 15-20 minutes in the pitch is really, really poor. I think it passes all over the sh- all over the shop. Doesn't he, where he just gives it directly to Bayern players, doesn't he? Yeah, and, and there's I think even his first pass, he tries to switch it to Robinson, and it's you know it's 10 yards behind him, and Roberts is a decent enough kind of, kind of half counter-attack um, down, the, down the left-hand side, or opportunity, certainly, and... And he, he, he pings the, that lovely switch pass that he can do, and it's 10 yards behind him. He pulls it 10 yards behind him, and, and it ends up going back to Van Dyke and, and back across the back four again. It kind of kills the momentum. And I, I think it does certainly take him a while to go into the game. Um, and I think the midfield's a bit bypassed, in, certainly in the first half. I don't think Monaldum's one of his better games. Um, I think he's, he does look tired. Um, and Milner, Milner was decent. Milner put himself about. Um, I kind of figured it would be Milner, Henderson, and either Wijnaldum or Fabinho. Um, it's kind of become a theme at the moment to kind of guess the midfield three. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think I was just pretty convinced Fabinho would start. I wasn't sure on Genie because there'd been all the talk about him being tired. Klopp had mentioned it. So I thought maybe he would sit out, but then I couldn't really see him dropping Genie because he's probably his main man. Yeah, because he's Genie, isn't he? Yeah, he loves him. So um, I don't know. I perhaps didn't think Milner would start, if I'm honest. 
but obviously he did he did well. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I just I thought you know overall, and I think it showed in the scoreline and the substitutions and eventually, obviously, how the game transpired was our midfield got on top of theirs in the end and, and, and won the battle. So they did well. And obviously, I hope Henderson isn't out for any length of time now because we need options in that midfield. Yeah, we do. We really do need options in the midfield. And, and you know, the two little, little um, you know, ink blots on the on the, the notepad there are the Henderson injury and, and the Robertson stupidest yellow card I've ever seen in the history of football um, that suspends him from the next leg so likely yeah. we'll see likely we'll see Milner left back but yeah you, you really don't want the Henderson injury, injury to be, be too serious because and we know how divisive he is and blah 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 and whatever but no, you want him fit and you want him contributing you want him fit you want him contributing and you, you cannot play you cannot you can't play for being one ultimate of the ground you can't you know, um, so if you're coming from that perspective, I'd rather see him or him play. You know, you can't play them every week, especially if you're fighting on both these fronts. Because, every, and it's been a, every game this season's been a massive game. But every game from it's it, it's oh they're 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 five times ten times as big now. Every single match, every single match, whether it's the team in Fulham with the worst away with the worst defensive record in the league, um, or you know, Manchester City at the Etihad in the, in the quarterfinal of the Champions League, they're all massive now. And we need every single player fit and available. Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, um, we would see anyway, because I heard Klopp's press conference, in fact, I watched it, and he said uh, it was just a, an ankle twist he, th- he thought and that he had to go off at the time, but it shouldn't be anything. Hopefully, they didn't think it was anything that was going to cause him to be out for any length of time, so that, that would be good. Um, yeah, absolutely. So um, you want him back fit, you want him firing, you want him contributing. We're going to have to rotate as we go through. And the midfield is the only area where we have actually been ro- rotating as well and where we have the options to do it. So, um, so yeah, they're all huge games. And, you know, I suppose we're um, the only thing, as you mentioned there, I want to come back on the Robertson thing. It's a bit annoying. Isn't it for him, I suppose? But I mean, maybe better missing, you know, this leg. He was bound to pick up a bucket at some point, wasn't he? Because they don't. Get- well, they were, well, they were wiped after they were. He was li- they were, he was literally ninety seconds away oh, from the yellow card being wiped clean. Bollocks! Oh well, that's a better knowing then for him more so than anyone else. Yeah, you know. Um, but sure, we'll come on, I suppose, and talk about what might come next and all. Yeah. So, um, so. I, I, I really, I really want to talk about the goals because the goals are, they're all, they're brilliant. They're all brilliant. Like Mane's first goal, you, oh look, I don't, I don't, I think you'll do well to see three better consecutive touches of a football this season, anywhere, yeah, anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world. Knows exactly what he's going to do, and he executes it perfectly. Like. Yeah, the first touch, and people were saying, "Oh, he's only he's only ca- he's only caught the flight of the ball in the last you know the last couple of milliseconds." And I nearly think I don't know from from my perspective anyway at the limited level of football I played in, I, I kind of think probably because I'm dead stupid. The less information you have, the process, the better the outcome's going to be because 
he sees the ball. He's not watching it, watching it, watching it, trying to kind of set, kind of trying to second guess where it's going to land. He sees it three feet from his foot, and he's like, right there it is, bang, and and takes a brilliant touch. If you consider, does he know where Neuer is? Probably. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Takes a touch away from Neuer. The second one then to to round him on the blind side is brilliant. But the third with his left foot, he just dinks it. And like he he can't score that goal any other way. There's three players between him and the net, and he just dinks it. And in slow motion, he just drifts a bit Salah-esque at the Etihad last year. It just drifts into the far corner. And I was just like, that's absolutely fucking amazing. It's... Fucking sublime. It's football at its best. You it know? really is. It really is. And you're right, because it's the speed at which he does everything and processes everything as well. It's just bang, bang, bang. And it's all done. And then it, it reminded me a bit there when you're talking about it and just thinking about it. It reminded me a little bit of Lacazette's goal for Arsenal against us, where he's, he knows where Alisson is. And what he does is he turns away from him and then puts it in the only place that Alisson definitely can't get to. Yeah. And it's a bit like that. He, he knows where Neuer is. He knows w- exactly what he's going to do to beat him and how that's going to work. And he knows exactly what he has to do to finish it. And he does all three things, you know, perfectly. And it's just it's brilliant. It's in a way simple, but of course not, you know. Yeah. And then and then Van Dyke's goal, it's, it comes at a great time. It's It's... It really, it really does just hammer the last nail into their coffin. Yeah, because we're building up ahead of steam. It's coming. We've got a succession of corners, and Trent's putting in great balls. And Trent actually nearly he tries to score. You think I, so? The I'm one where the I'm one where Matip ends up in the net. I think he tries to score because you just see he, he just puts a little extra on it, you know. And Neuer has to tip that over. That's going in. Yeah, he does. He needs to get a hand on it. He does. It's going in, and um, then it goes to Milner, and Trent's been putting in great balls, and kind of think, all right, Milly. Um, and then Milner puts in an absolute belter, the perfect corner above everyone, perfect arc on it. Just a Van Dyke meets it, and it's absolute textbook. Yeah, it's lo- it's lovely movement from Van Dyke as well. He, yeah. he he a little dart, a little two step dart forward. I think it's. A- I think it's Sule's marking him, and then all of a sudden he's in behind him, and the ball drifts over Sule, and it's just it's just right in the bottom corner. And to be fair, it's a good finish, but he doesn't have loads to do. No, he just needs to meet it. It's the quality yeah. cross. It's a perfect outswinging corner because it's swinging away onto his forehead. He just needs to meet it, and the par is already in the cross, and it's gonna it's gonna fly in, and it did. Yeah, and he started. He started doing that now, and he, you know, this is. I I nearly think this is where you separate the 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 brilliant centre halves from the absolute world class centre halves, the where they can where they can really deliver at both ends of the pitch, and they're brilliant in both boxes. Yeah. And you know, Sergio Ramos. Yeah. You know, say what you want about him, but he's he's one of the best in the last twenty years, probably. Yeah. You know. Absolute cunt, but he's brilliant. You look at, you know, John Terry is another one. John Terry, 50 something Premier League goals. Like, how the fuck do you do that from centre back? Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But this is the type. This is the type of thing which which gains you that that legendary <laughs> status amongst the fan base, and also that world class status amongst pundits and players alike, and you know journalists and fans and whatever. And the thing, the thing with it is, he's he's getting to the point now where. He's as much a threat in the opposition box as he is defensively. And we looked we looked at the first leg and thought, oh, fuck, Van Dijk's out. And they've this player and that player and the other player. And they could really score an away goal. And we coped. And I kind of thought people were going, oh, Van Dijk's back. And I was like, well, we didn't really struggle defensively, you know, in the first leg. Because they didn't really test us low. So, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, Van Dijk's back. So he pops up and fucking buries the nail in their coffin with a bullet header to make it 2-1 and get the second away goal. That's not that's not what your centre half's there for, but he goes and fucking does it anyway. Totally. And yeah, and he makes you know I think everyone's guilty of sort of doing that. Oh well, we'll cope fine, you know, without him and whatever. But he just makes such a difference to the way we approach the game. The mentality almost, the, the, the swagger, the belief, the confidence that's that seems to emanate from him and from his presence. Um it just you know, it's just, just we play with a lot more surety. I think it's it's something you can you can kind of um, you can kind of notice, but it's one of those things that um, yeah you, you you maybe can gloss over when he's not playing. Yeah, it's a bit like it's a bit like going to that dodgy bar, but you're okay with it because you know you've got your mate with you who's an absolute fucking monster. Yeah, exactly. And and people wouldn't even fucking think about starting on you just for the look of him. Exactly. But if it, but if he's not there, you're kind of standing outside and you're thinking, I don't really want to go in here, you know, because it's fucking Dodgeville and fucking, you know, Big Crick, he's not here to back me up. <laughs> that's it, that's it. So, yeah, I mean, he's an absolute monster. I mean, he's just, just in every sense of the word, he's yeah, the most dominant centre-back I've ever seen, I think, now. Play, certainly play for Liverpool. I mean, he just he's got he's got absolutely everything, absolutely everything, and he's got that aura as well. He's got that air where referees don't even want to give fouls against him and shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whether just yeah, that, yeah, he, he probably just got that fairly, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's just an absolute physical specimen. I chief, I swear, I think he was fucking cooked up in a lab somewhere. I put this on. I, I said this the other night. I think he's. I think someone has. It genetically engineered him because he is oh he is the perfect physical human specimen isn't he yeah yeah well long may it continue uh, you know I hope he has a fantastically successful career with Liverpool it's brilliant now to, to have that solidity at the back finally and, and to now be kind of getting a bit used to it almost after so many years of just being fragile as fuck down the centre through the spine we just we're not anymore, and it's it's class. It's such a turnaround. Yeah, and I think just a just a quick shout out to the the Matip because I think he had a really good game. I think he marshaled Lewandowski really well. He was a real fucking pest. I can imagine Lewandowski was just I I can imagine Lewandowski's head was just done in, just done in with Matip up his arse every time the ball came into his feet, every single time. There would be a little bit, I suppose, of history there. In the sense that Matip was a Schalke player and Lewandowski was a Dortmund player, so they would have played each other in the derby the odd time, perhaps. So 
he's maybe maybe come up against him before, but uh, I thought he played really really well as well. Uh, he's unlucky with the own goal. Um, I think generally the back four did. Robertson maybe caught out a bit for their goal, but I think the whole team sort of switches off for a split second there. Yeah, uh, and you know, if you pull a good point, they're, they're actually because I've I've watched Matta play and. When he adds a bit of like a just a bit more aggression to his game, he's a much better defender. A much better defender when he adds a bit of aggression to his game. I've seen it a few games. Bournemouth away, I think, sticks out in my head where he was particularly aggressive and he was a really, really good match. And, and last night was kind of the same. And maybe as you're saying, he had that impetus there to to get him in that mindset. But he's been good. The concern I have is sometimes when he is a little bit passive, he can be error prone. I think, you know, for example, the corner he gives away against Burnley with, with a, the goal comes from the first goal. It's, it's just a little bit, a little bit, a little lack, a little bit of a lack of concentration. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's an unnecessary one, of course, because they score from it. You it's know. highlighted. Yes, I get, I get that. But it's just it's just the most the, the first example came in my head. No, I, oh, I think you're right though as well. You know, obviously it's not ideal. You know, what you want him to do there is judge it better. Maybe maybe even he's got time. Maybe even take it down or whatever. Or worst case scenario, head it out for a throw. But I suppose the the win is mental that day. So a lot of people made mistakes. Those kinds of mistakes. So maybe maybe it was something to do with that. Uh, but I know what you mean. He's he, he, He's done really well. He's done really well as part of the unit. He's done really well beside Van Dyke. Is he? And I like the way he tries to force it when he carries the ball out from the back yeah, as well. Like as well, and I think it's a good thing. And I think most of the time, he either if he gives it away, he wins it back. A really good example of that last night, actually. Yeah, and you know sometimes he, he doesn't give it away and he provides a really good pass or he gets a free kick and you know he causes panic when he does that because teams aren't ready for it you know um and i, I like it a bit it, it, it adds a bit of a you know it's just another it's just another dimension isn't it another yeah. dimension and and that's and that's what that's the type of thing that that's keeping us with City this year, where we've got so many strings to our bow, the likes of Matt have been able to do that. You know, the set pace, the set pieces, and, and how that, how much that's improved. The goalkeeper now, which is a, a huge plus on last year, and then even simple things like you know maybe the throwing coach. Like I've seen nearly, I, I've seen certainly two close to identical goals. The one against City, we score where we take it from the throw-in and we switch it over and we switch it back and we switch it again. And there was another similar one. I can't remember who it was against. It came from a throw-in in a similar position. And those little things are, are you know, it's it's so small margins. And we seem to be gaining, gaining small margins everywhere, which has, has accumulated into this, what, 13, 14-point swing we've seen from, from the points we put on the board last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, it's all about making marginal gains wherever possible. Um, and that's what we've done, as you said. But, I mean, it, it's, all, it's, it's, it's all been part of a process and it's all still part of a process, I suppose. Um, we're still kind of um, building and, and, you know, trying to, trying to consistently get better, I suppose, um, rather than kind of peaking and, and falling off or whatever. So, 
yeah, it's it, it all bodes well. I mean, it's great when you... I mean, the set-piece thing is, is class because when you can score goals basically out of nothing, which is what, what set-piece goals are, as well as being able to score goals from open play on a regular basis and create chances, then, you know, you potentially add in just free goals you know, in, in a way, you know? Yeah, and there's this thing where it frustrates me. It frustrates me a lot when when journalists and 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 uh, you know I'm, I'm sure the guys are all doing it in the background anyway you know the, the analytical guys when when they, they look at something goes you know what Liverpool have got really good at this we're going to have to try and do something to stop it yeah where with set pieces when that starts to get highlighted I personally think that kind of spreads anxiety within a defending team where they think fuck here there's a corner there's another corner there's another corner do you remember? Do you remember the the gaffer said there? You know, when we were preparing for the match, that these guys are dead good at set pieces and corners and free kicks and shit like that. The teams actively try to not concede corners. I mean, we did it for a while when we were. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, defending set pieces, we would actively try not to concede corners against the likes of Stoke and whatever. Like, and yeah. I, I remember, it, I remember one occasion where I think against a team, someone kicks it out for a corner to avoid conceding a throw-in because they had a long throw specialist that was causing fucking bedlam in our yeah, in yeah. our in our box. That rings true. Um, I mean, it, I think I think you're you've raised an interesting point. I've never really thought about it before, but it, it makes sense because certainly once once your team is highlighted as being weak from set pieces, that definitely spreads anxiety. Absolutely. So I suppose it, the similar effect is once a team is labelled as being very very strong from set pieces then it's in the, the opposing team's mind to try and limit the chances from set pieces and maybe you give away a penalty because you're so scared you're just grappling too much or maybe you you end up making a mistake because you're desperate not to concede a corner and you end up fucking losing the ball in, in, a, in a very dangerous situation near your own goal. Or, you know what I mean? Just, just these little things that creep in. So yeah, I, and it's the type of thing where the... Like a, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy type thing. Absolutely. And it was it was the same type of thing with Man United when they all they always can they always scored the late goal, yeah. always for a good time and blah blah blah. And that became a self-fulfilling prophecy because teams went in there even if they were winning or even if they were you know they were within getting a point at Old Trafford with with ten minutes to go, they were thinking, yeah, we're probably going to concede here. Yeah. And 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 inevitably they did. And even if they were even if they had a two goal cushion. You know, you'd know watching those games, you'd go fuck. Well, United are two 0 down, like, but they'll probably end up winning three two. You know, yeah. Nine times out of ten, they would at the very least get it back to two two, if not win three two in that situation with literally ten minutes to go. You know, from from the point of being two 0 down, and just crazy the the number. Of, but things work like that. I mean, particularly once. The media train gets involved, and the echo chamber starts ringing around and ringing around, and you've got more and more football coverage. So the more something's highlighted, the the bigger in the microcosm of football, the the bigger it kind of becomes before finally it's dealt with in some form or another. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's no doubt about it. So I want to take you on, Chief De De Mane's Mane's goal. Uh, his second goal um, because Salah Salah has been 
you know, he hasn't scored a goal in six. Now, I, I'm kind of of the, again, this self-fulfilling prophecy type thing, this mentality type thing where he'll bundle one in and all of a sudden he'll start going, scoring again. But his, his contribution is still, is still beyond significant to this team. And that wasn't emphasized any more than the fact that I think he probably should have had a penalty with that one where he's he's too honest and he stays up to try and get a shot away because I think he's that desperate just to put the ball in the net. Yeah, and he ends up kind of his foot almost goes through the ball as if he were a holograph. Yeah, oh. I think I think Sule Sule gets a little a little nick on it. Yeah. Um It's bizarre though, isn't it? It That's... is, it's bizarre. But then the the um the cross for, for Mane's, oh, Mane's oh. header. It's it's absolutely sublime. Mane's movement's great, and he, he finishes in the bottom corner, but the cross with the outside of his foot is unbelievably good. It's just perfect. I mean, to, to dig that, you know, to, to not even dig it out, to just float it and arc it right in the Mane's run, you know, while he's on the run with the outside of his left foot, it's fucking brilliant. It's 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 absolute class. And Salah was, was great again. I mean, I think it's one of those where if he doesn't score, he hasn't scored for a while or whatever, then n- naturally people kind of the narrative begins to be always oh, not playing that well or whatever, you know. But he's actually he's contributing so much while not scoring, and he's still lethal. It's just that he's much more heavily marked these days. And yeah. Having to do a lot more work to, to, to create chances for himself, to fashion chances for himself. I don't think there's an issue. He could well score a hat trick against Fulham this weekend. I mean, hopefully they're the team to, to leave the gaps. Um, he, he, he's fabulous. And he sets up three of the goals at the weekend. He probably would have had two penalties at the weekend, I think, as well. You know, he gets clattered, uh, for both, for both Manny's first goal and Bobby's. Second goal, is it? Yes, that's right. For both, and we end up scoring from both moves. Um, so on another day, we don't score the rebound there, and we get a, a penalty or two pens, and Man- Salah's got two goals. You know, you never know. Um, but it's just, it's, it's the contribution. It's, it's what he's doing. It's, it's, it's his overall awareness. He's developed so much as a player in the last season. I mean, he might have scored 45 goals last season, but... I think he's actually, might sound bizarre, he's actually a, a better player now than he was. No, certainly his hold-up plays improved massively. His link plays improved massively. I think, you know, we haven't talked about it much. I don't, I, I don't know if anybody's talking about it much, but the the support that he gave Trent um, last night was it was brilliant. He was he was back doubling up on doubling up on, on Ribery or Coleman with Trent winning the ball back. It was at one point in the second half where he, he comes back, he wins the ball back and he plays a couple of one-twos up the right-hand side with Trent and then and then one with Firmino and he's away and he's fouled and he gets a free kick 70 yards from where, for, from where he actually wins the ball back. It's absolutely phenomenal. He, um, so I completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, his overall contribution is is phenomenal, and I think when when he doesn't score and others do, we we have a tendency to kind of look past him and and almost take the quality for granted a little bit. Um, you know, he doesn't get highlighted because he, he doesn't score. Um, but 
I think, I mean, I, I think he's our best player. I mean, we've got so many good players, but I think when you look at what he can do with the ball, when you look at the, 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 the you know, how he sets up that first goal at the weekend with the one-twos with, with Trent. Yeah, nobody else, get, nobody else gets in the end of that. No one else in the world gets in the end of that. That, that, that pass from, from well. From nothing, like. Yeah. He decides, right, I, I've, I've seen what I'm going to do here. Bam, 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 go. Yeah, on his right foot as well. Yeah, and I, I think he's, you know, he's, he is our best player. Um, I think he's playing like it, even though he's not scoring. But I'm pretty hopeful that uh, on Sunday that sort of hoodoo will be gone and the monkey will be off his back. Right? Yeah, so a um, so couple of things. Um, Timo, Timo Werner was, uh, I heard, I don't remember what I was listening to, but apparently, apparently that performance and that result um, last night has maybe swung the pendulum in the favour of Liverpool when it comes to the race for, for Timo Werner because I understand that Barron reportedly had agreed terms with Werner's representatives, but essentially that's all, all that basically is as far as I know is here's the contract he wants, will you pay him this? And Barron have said yes. Yeah. Um yeah. that's pretty much all that is. They still haven't reached an agreement with the club. His his contract will be up in in twelve months in the summer, is that right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. It, it appears that that the not just the result, but the the manner of the result um and the the manner of the performance has, has swung the pendulum in Liverpool's way, which I think, you know, can only be can only be good news, and this comes back to this this point we we're talking about earlier on. We're we're Barn approached that game like like Liverpool were better than them, and that's because Liverpool are better than them. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't actually heard anything about that post uh, the game, obviously, but um, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all. It wouldn't make sense given that. Both Liverpool and Bayern are, are the two names heavily touted to be interested in in Timo Werner this summer. And what what a be, what better way to evaluate them if you are Timo Werner than to watch the two ties or the two games, two legs, and um, and and get a little bit of a feel about you know what your future may hold. It would you know I'm a Liverpool fan. I'm always gonna make the case for why joining Liverpool would be better than joining Bayern Munich but I think even for a young German footballer at this point because of the scenario it would be better for him to join Liverpool than Bayern Munich he's got a German manager there probably regarded as the best you would say German manager at the moment oh without a doubt I would say yeah uh, I don't think there would be much of a much of a debate um, and you've got a team that's really on an upward trajectory. It really knows what it's about, where everyone's pulling together. There aren't the politics of the boardroom going on. There isn't this kind of huge juggernautish uh, culture, which underpins, uh, but political culture, which which underpins what's going on. Uh, at club level, at first no, and I, I think I don't want to labour in this too long because essentially is is a, probably all conjecture. But the, I think the thing, and this is what I really like about this this 
the, the club at the moment is that there's a real element of, of meritocracy there. Um, yeah. You know, Lallana's an example. Lallana earns his place last Saturday, or last Sunday, sorry. He absolutely earns his place. And that, that, you know, that type of thing spreads through, spreads through the other players. But the other thing is, and, and what, what's significant different is you've seen players, like we offer, we offer new contracts to players 18 months into their new contract because all of a sudden they've, they've stepped it up a level, you know, and you've seen it loads of times. Coutinho, um, Firmino, Mane, Salah, Robertson, Trent. They've all signed like new contracts, and it's not like always oh, getting to his last eighteen months. When was the last time you heard a Liverpool player get to the last eighteen months of their contract? Aside Emery Tan, and we kind of have, we kind of have, you know, come to the conclusion that that was his chosen career path, and that was what he was going to do. But you just don't hear it because those players are rewarded for their performances on the pitch, and he knows if he's going to go there for X amount of money. If he puts it in and if he grasps and if he puts the numbers up and shows the performances that in 18 months he can well have another 10, 15,000 pounds on his on his deal and an extra year and a half on it. The thing is, you know, Bayern pay well, there's no doubt, but we can certainly compete with Bayern in the wages market. There's, oh, absolutely. There's, there's no doubt about that. And I suppose the, the, the question really is how switched on are you um, as, a, as a player are you? Do you kind of get wooed by the the name and the and the stature of Bayern within the German game and the reputation and so on, or do you go for you know something which is a bit left field perhaps, but you know is probably right for your career at that point? And I think you know I think Werner would, would suit us really well. Um, what he decides is, is up to him, but for me, it's not a good. I, I, I wouldn't be if I if I was a Timo Werner looking to make that next step because let's be clear he, he hasn't made the step yet he's very very good he's already been noticed by Germany but he's still playing for a, a non-traditional big uh, traditionally big club in Germany in, in Red Bull Leipzig and he hasn't made that step up to um, to playing for uh, a club that's a household name and scoring every week. So that's what he wants to do at his next club. He wants to become that, yeah, that household name, literally, that, that everybody knows. Um, that You know, you think of a German striker, oh, Timo Werner. There you go. Um, so for me, looking at the way Bayern are now and what, what is going on and the uncertainty there and the likelihood Kovac will leave and, and you know, the, the transitional phase that they're in and how much further Liverpool are along on, in their process, I would be I'd be looking to, to join Liverpool. Um, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully that game has swung it and uh, hopefully he, does, he, he is more interested. Hope for his sake and ours. But at the end of the day, if he, if he chooses Bayern, it, it won't be a massive surprise. Yeah. I, I, yeah, well, let's be honest. It's, it's it's not exactly it's not exactly a traditional thing for for German players to to move overseas. No, it's um, not enough for young German players to to sign for Bayern Munich. A good young German player. Well, and 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 this is the other factor, um, and that is the dream. And you know they'll look at that and they'll say, if I if I'm there ten years, I'll win at least probably seven or eight Bundesliga titles, and and maybe maybe a Champions League along the way somewhere and whatever else. So. We'll wait and we'll see. And a lot of it also has to do with what the people around them are telling them. 
Um, is he agent this family? You know, does he does he want to leave Germany? I don't know. Yeah, so, I think agent is his, is his dad, I think. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting as well. Does his father see think? Does his agent think German football is the pinnacle and uh, he wants to stay in Germany? Does he, as a player, want to stay in Germany? Um, I don't know where his family are from, to be honest, because Leipzig's pretty far away from Munich. Um, so I don't know if uh, where they're from, if his family is maybe from a, from further south or whatever. So all those factors come in whenever you're talking about planning. Your, your, and this is really going to be his first big move. Yeah. yeah, and there's there's been a uh, I think there's going to start to be a conversation about the quality of the Bundesliga very soon, particularly in Germany. I think what Klopp said was 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 interesting and it was right in the sense that it's not that uh, it's not that all the clubs in the Premier League are are better than all the clubs in the Bundesliga, but it is that the top five six clubs in England operate on a different level, and that's fair enough because they're operating on much bigger budgets. Yeah, well, that that that's exactly it, exactly it. So, quick one for you. Um, in thirty seconds, who do you want quarterfinal? Oh, I want Spurs. Okay, tell me why. Because I think we're better than them, and we'll go through. And I think it's almost a bit of a gimme if we get them. Not to be disrespectful to them, but uh, I, I don't really, I don't really mind. I don't want Juve, and I think we'll probably get City. Okay, all right. What about you? Um, I just don't want an English team. Really? I don't want. I, yeah, I don't want an English team. I don't want. I, I. I. can't be bothered. I can't be bothered with the circus around it. I can't be bothered with the media circus around it because that's what it'll be. And uh, I can't be bothered with it. I think I'd love City to get united and have this whole. You know, they'd be talking it up. They'd be talking it up from now until the second leg. I hadn't even considered that. That would be brilliant. There would be three Manchester derbies in a in or something. Absolutely, it would be a massive distraction, a massive distraction. And if we are sitting there, even if it's Juventus, even if we get Juventus, we'll be sitting there, and you'll not hear anything about Liverpool Juventus. It'll be City United, United City, City United, United City. So that's that's my perfect scenario. Um, That would be that would be ideal. Yeah. um, So I, 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 I. I don't really want an English team. I, and do you know what? If it's if it's Liverpool City, you'll have all the shit from last year and it'll be embroiled with the title race. And if you've Liverpool United, that's a whole other fucking big, massive thing as well, where they've never met in the European Cup before, even though we played in the Europa League a couple of, couple of years ago, and then we'll be all flashbacks to that. And United, will be, and United will be out for revenge and all this shit. And I, I, I just can't be bothered with it all. And it inflates the whole idea that we're on the same level at the moment, and we're not. That yeah, be- that's another good point. So yeah, so see if I can't be bothered with that. Give me Juventus. Give me, give me ideally, you know, give me ideally Ajax because I could probably get to Amsterdam. Um, give me yeah, Porto. Just seen that before. You know, give me, yeah, give me Porto or who else? Uh, I mean, or Bar- even what? give me Barcelona. I mean, we've got you've got to sort. Of, I mean, I don't fear any team there. I mean, Juventus is probably the one, probably the one that you worry about the most, or I would worry about the most because they've they've got both defense and attack. Um, Barcelona, I think we can get at them. I'm not really that worried. I wouldn't be that worried about them. Should have got Coutinho. We, we 
you know, we sold him to them, that kind and of thing. I'll, and I'll tell you something now. See, when, if Coutinho plays when he comes to Anfield, that's going to be another Sterling. His head will fucking fall off. Absolutely, he'd get he'd get destroyed, and so I don't I don't worry about any teams in in the sense of oh we'll, we'll go there and we'll get ripped apart or anything like that. I think we can beat any team that's left in. I think Juve are probably I think are the strongest team left in. Maybe City, but then because we're both in the Premier League, it's it's a little bit a little bit different. You're a little bit more used to City. I I couldn't be bothered getting City. I think I have this nasty feeling that we might end up getting them, but. Well, on that, there's a there was a trial draw today. Um, yeah. I don't know whether you saw it, but it was um, uh, United got Porto, unsurprisingly. Liverpool got Ajax, Barca yeah. got City, and Spurs got Juve. So I'd be I'd be absolutely happy with that. Barca Barca City would be there'd be loads of narrative underlying narrative there as well. Pretty old, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I could be, I could be, um, I could be excited by that. Just last one. I mean, do you want the a Porto where you're, you're kind of pretty confident you'll go through? I mean, after last year, you would imagine we would go through, but it's really an unglamorous tie, or you, you prefer to roll the dice with a Barcelona or a Juve, and it's, it's you know, more chance of going out potentially, but at the same time, bigger reward for going through a bigger, better game, better experience. What do you reckon? Um, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll take the big team. I'll, I'll take the big team because you're gonna, if you're gonna meet, you're gonna meet them somewhere, aren't you? Yeah. You're, if you're gonna get to the final, you're likely gonna meet one of Barca City Juventus. Yeah, and I actually, I prefer to. Do both of them? Do all of them over two legs, as opposed to as opposed to in a one-off game? Yeah. So you're likely going to meet Barca City Juventus. You know, if you get through the next, if you get through the next round. Um. So you might as well just you might as well just play them now. At the same time, you talk momentum, and momentum's important. And even if it is, even if it is Porto, and you're through to the semi-final, it's still momentum. Whether it's we should have won that, and we did. So it's a bit kind of, I suppose what you would say is more relief than actual elation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, you haven't you haven't slipped up, but um, I, I don't mind. I don't mind. I just just know English team and I'll be happy. Okay, nice one. Well, I what's your Fulham at the weekend then? Well, I mean, it's a bit of a. It's a bit of a hiding of nothing in a way, I suppose you could look at it. I mean, you've got to predict that Liverpool are, are going to win. We talked earlier about Fulham's dreadful defensive record. It's the worst, I think, in all in all five leagues. In- yeah, I could, I could probably have done with Ranieri still being there, if I'd be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, me too, but it's, it's in a way, because it's always a kick in the ball when a team changes manager before you play them. But Parker's been in for a few games now, and... There's been no difference. There's been no change as far as I can see. I mean, they've lost their last five games on the bounce. They can't really score goals, and they don't really create that many chances, and they can't defend for shit. So, if Liverpool were to to slip up here or were not to win, then it would be a massive uh, blunder. Like, there's no no two ways about it. I don't envisage that happening. I think Fulham is a lovely tonic for us, a lovely routine for us to play after uh, being away in Munich. I think 
as I've alluded to, I don't think they have the discipline or the or the organisation to really try and keep us out. Uh, I think we'll definitely score goals, and we've talked about how good our our back five is. I don't see if we score two. Do you see Fulham scoring three against? Us? I don't personally. I think we, I think we should win the game. Uh, be interested to see if we, we who we see in midfield. If we see a Shaq, if we see a Naby Kaida coming back. Uh, potentially, this is a game for for one of them to start. But yeah, other than that, I think we, we go in again. We've got a, a long break after this one, um, so we'll get get some rest after this. But I think basically, it'll be pretty much the same team again with one or two tweaks potentially, depending on on whether Klopp sees fit. And you wouldn't see, you wouldn't forecast anything other than a than a Liverpool win. Uh, let's just hope that. The lads turn up and, and make it happen, but I'm, I'm sure, given what they've put in so far, to everything this season, they're not going to slip up and take their eye off the ball, so to speak, against against a very, very poor Fulham side. Yeah, I think um, I think you're right. I think that's I think that's a that's a, a change room for for the strangers. I don't think they've signed too many players. Um, don't know each other. They don't know each other's game. They bend off practically the entire squad that got them promoted, so there's bound to be animosity there. They then went out in January and, and, and got more signings in, like that's going to fix the problem because essentially in my belief that that was probably the root cause of the issue that they find themselves in in the first place. And we are exactly the opposite of that, where we're so in tune with one another. We're such a tight-knit group and we'll go there buoyed by by the result against Barron and knowing that we're absolutely right in this title race and with the chance to go top of the league and put a little bit of pressure on City. Well, that's so, it. That's and, ev- it. And, ev- and everybody talked about, oh, uh, they, they beat Stratton 7-0. Well, I think, I'm pretty sure it was after they beat Burton 7-0, they went on a little blip. So... Listen, that's it. The, the, the thing is, we were talking earlier about momentum shifting. I think we were talking, I think it was before the pod maybe, we're talking about uh, the German title race and, and potentially the Bayern uh, perhaps hitting the skids a little bit after going out now against Liverpool. But the the, the way the fixtures fall lends lends itself to changing the momentum in the Premier League because of the by virtue of the fact that City play two fewer games than us. We're now playing the bottom team on Sunday to go two points clear. Um, which means then when they play next, they're actually playing to stay in touch. They're playing to go to, to you know, I think we I think they we have another, we each have another one and then we play one again when they don't. So by the end of that, if we win all those games, both teams, Liverpool will be five points clear. We've mentioned that before. But even if we just win on, on Sunday, which is the next game, a game you would expect Liverpool to win. The momentum has the pressures kind of shifted. The paradigm has flipped again in the in the sense that um, we're now ahead. And yeah, they've got a game in hand, but they have to win that game in hand. Yeah, I'm throwing it out now. I'm saying if we win our next four games, we win the league. If we win our next four league games, I think we win the league. Yeah, I so, think you're 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 probably right. I mean, they, that includes Chelsea and Spurs. That includes that includes that includes Fulham away, Fulham away, Spurs at home, Southampton away, and Chelsea. At home, and I think if we win those four, we win the league. So I'm going to go back there. I'm going to go back there for your favorite game, Chief, just before I wrap up. I'm pretty convinced, based on the last 
what, nine or ten games or whatever that we're going for, three three again on on Sunday. So what's your midfield three? If we're counting Jordan Henderson as injured, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I think he probably gave Jeannie a rest. Mm-hmm. And you maybe ask, well, I don't know. Do you ask Milner to go again? You go Milner, Fabinho and Kaida, something like that. Or maybe Jeannie comes in there instead of Milner. But I think Naby Kaida will get a game from the start. Uh, if he's fit, I don't. I don't understand why he wouldn't. This would be be a game to bring him in. Yeah, well, he didn't travel because oh, was, of an injury. Oh, so he's injured. He, ah, may, he may well be. He may well be injured. Yeah, but he didn't travel to Munich because of an injury. Because that's just been his season, pretty much in a nutshell. Well, you might. You might get a Shakiri. You might get a Lalana. I think he'll get a Lalana. Yeah, I mean, he had such a good game last week, and it. it you, you would imagine it's kind of the perfect game for him as well. He's going to get plenty of space. Yeah. Yes, I think you'll pro- I think you'll probably see Fabinho. I think you'll probably see Fabinho, Milner, Lalana. Yeah, that would make sense. Fabinho, Milner, Lalana, or Fabinho, Genie, uh, Lalana. One of them. It depends whether he asks Klopp, uh, whether Klopp asks Genie to go one more before the break. Yeah, maybe so. But I think I think there's I think but there's 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 uh there's double internationals um during the break. Which Wijnaldum, which Wijnaldum will no doubt be a part of both. And Milner will be sitting at the house, sitting in the house with his feet up. So I expect he'll probably go Milner. Hold up. What's that? Good that Sal has been given the, the, the week off. Yeah, that's great. That's great news. But I think, I think, I think he'll consider the fact that Milner will be sitting in the house with his feet up and Wijnaldum will have to go and play two matches. You're probably right. And he's had a wee period out as well, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. All right then. So there we are. It's um, it's uh, Fabinho, Milner, Lalana at the weekend. It's a way to Fulham. The Reds are through the last eight again. We are an elite force in Europe. So up the double, the double chasing Reds. That's it. Up the double chasing Reds. In